is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This is Pastor Rob Chambers of Reedtown Community Church in Newport, Tennessee. It is our earnest hope and prayer that something will be said or done through word or song that will be a blessing to your heart. Good to see everyone out this way this morning. I am as excited to be in God's house as I've been in a long time this morning. Many different reasons. Uh, if you were here or if you were up moving around this morning about 9.30 or 10 o'clock, the sun was shining almost so bright you couldn't see to drive. And as I was standing out on the porch, it was hitting my back, and I had almost decided I was going to have some of the men carry the rostrum outside in the parking lot, and I was going to stand out there and preach this morning. That sun felt so good on my shoulders this morning. Now, I know that may not make a whole lot of sense to some folks, but after, what was it, 17, 18 days where the temperature dropped below freezing, nine days when it never got above freezing, it felt good to have the sunshine falling on your back and your shoulders out there. Clouds have moved back in since then, so it's not sunshiny out there now. But I thank God that we had a few hours of it this morning. I know it's not springtime, yet I know winter's not over. But isn't God good that He gives us just a little bitty taste right when we need it? So I thank Him and I praise Him for that. That had my spirits uplifted before folks even started coming in this morning. And then Sister Doris had a picture she showed me there just a few moments ago. Most of you know Brother Jim Talbert and the difficulties that he's had over the past year. She had a picture of him sitting with his wife and his family, smiling, fully recovered almost from his multiple brain surgeries, not just once, but maybe a total of as many as three times they had to go into his head and open his brain up to drain off blood that was accumulating from a, a bleed in his brain. Still battling a problem with a little bit of slurred speech, but she told me that he's getting back into the pulpit on the 31st of this month, and I praise God for that. I praise God for that. He hasn't let this body defeat him. He hasn't let Satan defeat him. He still has the same drive and the same desire to see souls saved. That thrills my heart this morning. Now I want everybody here, that if you can hear my voice, I want you to look at me. Now I'm going to count to three. One, two, three, then I'm going to say go. Then I want everybody to look at me and go, ah, as loud as you can. One, two, three, go. Come on, people, wake up this morning. Let's go. Get excited about being in God's house this morning. Get excited about being alive this morning. We have much to praise God about. We have much to be excited about. We have much to look forward to. Don't listen to CNN or NBC or all the other news sources about everything that's going bad. I know things aren't good. I know we talked about it Wednesday night. But we also said Wednesday night, God's forecast, God reigns and the sun's going to shine, brother. Guaranteed. We have reason to be happy and excited tonight. So don't let the things of this life weigh heavy on you. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you in here have some kind of will? A last will and testament? Maybe a living will. Maybe you've went and you've, you've got a, uh, a, an executor or someone who has power of attorney 
over your affairs if something medical happens to you. You've got everything arranged where if this happens, you want to do this and that, and you don't want this to happen. But you've got all that taken care of. You've got life insurance. You've got health insurance. And you've got a beneficiary name. If something happens to you, everything goes to that individual. I know some folks even have gone so far as they've already planned out their funeral arrangements. They've gotten with the funeral party. They want the, they've got the, the, the place picked out and they've got the graves. They've got all the details worked out. And I know some people who are really on the ball have even got it paid for already. I'm getting a lot of blank stares from you. Let's do this then. Let's load this way. Let's, let's draw back. Let's use another example. Last Thursday, before the bad weather came in, how many went to Food City? How many went, don't oh, stick your hand up. Who went to the grocery store before the weather turned bad last week? Every single one of you did. Don't sit there and look at me like you didn't. You either went to Food City, you went to Walgreens, you went and got gas, you did something, didn't you? You went and got milk and bread, you went and filled a car up with gas, you went and got your medicine so you wouldn't run out of your prescription. You did something Thursday before the bad weather came. I know you did. I know you did. All you had to do was drive through town. Everybody and his dog was out in town. You couldn't get on Walmart's parking lot. If you went through the drive-thru at Walgreens, you sat there for 30 minutes. About, about like now, if you try to go wash your car right now, you're going to sit and wait. We had to make sure we had our medicine. We had to make sure we had our, our food. If you drove by the movie rental place, it was packed. People was renting movies, renting games. Had to have something for the kids to do in case they got snowed in for a while. You filled the car up with gas. You checked the windshield washer fluid. Some of you checked your tires. You made sure you had something in the back of the truck, blocks, brick, something to weight the back end down. You checked to make sure you had chains. And you were glued to the TV set, wasn't you, young people? How many of you last Thursday were just sitting there watching the TV like this, waiting for them to say Cock County schools were closed? Mine were. Have they said anything yet, Daddy? Daddy, have you heard anything? Are we closed yet, Daddy? Made all these precautions. Took all this extra care. All the extra time. All the extra money, all the extra effort, just because some forecaster said it was going to snow and the chance was it was going to be a bad snow. What's the Bible say about people who forecast the future? The Bible says not to listen to them, doesn't it? Now don't go out of here and say, my preacher said a weatherman was a witch. I never said that. I never said that. Don't jump to conclusions. The Bible says don't worry about what tomorrow is going to bring. Let tomorrow handle itself. But we worry about all these other things and we make preparations about what the weatherman says and he's only right 50 to 60% of the time. But now we go to all these extremes because there's a chance he might be right. I want to ask you a question. Why does nobody prepare to meet God? Why does nobody, or very few it seems like, prepare to meet God anymore? I guarantee you that book right there is 100% right. They have never, ever, in thousands of years, proved this book wrong in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Preacher, how do you know they haven't? If they'd have proved anything wrong in it, it wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be holding one. 
it would be tossed aside like the joke and like the irrelevant thing that it would be if there was error in it. But there is not. It's 100% right. Correct in every way. And this book says, prepare to meet thy God. But were there lines of people thronging the entrance to get into church this morning? Nobody had to fight for a seat this morning. You had to fight to get a buggy at Walmart the other day. But there's plenty of places to sit here this morning. Now we've got a good number. We've got a good number this morning. Thank the Lord we've got a good number. But we've got room. We've got room. Why is that? Because people will listen to the weatherman more than they'll listen to God. People will believe the weatherman more than they believe the Word of God. I want you to turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. This is Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. Wisest man that ever walked the planet. He says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 11, he said, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance happen to them all. Solomon says it doesn't make any sense. It goes against the popular belief. It goes against all logical things. But the race isn't to the fastest, the battle is not to the strongest, and the bread doesn't go to the wisest and the smartest, and the riches don't go to the men who deserve it the most. But everything happens to all men in their own time. In verse 12, For a man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes are taken in an evil net, and as birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. When is it an evil time when something comes upon us? It's an evil time to us because it's never a good time for a bad thing to happen to us, is it? There's never been a time in your life when you sat back and said, okay, I've got this, I'm here, okay, okay I'm ready, something bad can happen to me now. You've never said that. It's always an evil time for a bad thing to happen to you. We got into it this morning or we're starting to get into the idea about bad things happening to good people. I want to give you this this morning. It's not on the, in the sermon, but I, don't, I want you to know this this morning. Why do bad things happen to good people? I'll give you the answer out of the Word of God. What did Jesus say? Jesus said there's none good. Jesus said there are no good people. When the young ruler came to him and said, Good master, he said, Why do you call me good? There's none good but the Father in heaven. So the next time you're worried about that question, why do good things happen, or bad things happen to good people, remember that. There are no good people. Solomon said here in Ecclesiastes that like fish when they get netted or birds when they get snared, something comes upon us quickly. We don't have time to prepare for it. We don't have time to get ready for it. There's no time when all of a sudden something's jumping out at you for you to step back and say, oh, wait a minute, I've got to prepare for this. When the thing is upon you, it's too late to prepare. When the thing is upon you, it's too late to get ready for it. 
Flip over to the book of Luke. Go to Luke chapter 21. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, gave us a warning. The Son of God in Luke 21 gives us a warning. If you won't listen to the smartest man alive, maybe you'll listen to the Son of God. When he said, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that the day come upon you unawares. Now don't let that little phrase your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. Don't let that throw you. That's not a very difficult phrase. We're going to break it down and we're going to look at it. Don't let your hearts be overcharged. In other words, don't let your desires, don't let your innermost wants and needs be overcome. And then there's that one word, surfeiting. An exact translation of that word would be nausea from overindulgence. In other words, the Son of God says, don't let yourself become sick at heart because you've overindulged in things you shouldn't. Well, what are the things that we shouldn't indulge in? The Word of God says, if it's not of God, then you shouldn't indulge in it. It's plain and simple. He doesn't leave any question. He doesn't leave any wiggle room. God said, if it's not a good thing, if it's not of me, stay away from it. Don't have anything to do with it. If there is any appearance of evil to it, the Word of God says to get away from it. Shun the very appearance of evil. Drunkenness. Doesn't necessarily have to mean alcohol. You can be drunk on power. You can be drunk on love. You can be drunk on desire. What that means is to have your self-will and your self-control clouded by something else to where you're not in control of your body, you're not in control of your faculties, you're not fully in control of your flesh that you inhabit. And the cares of this life, the wants and desires of this life, the worries of this life, many things can fall into that category. Jesus said, take heed to yourselves. Take heed, in other words, take an account of yourself and make sure you didn't say your children, didn't say your parents, didn't say your brother or your sister, your wife. It said you. You make an account of yourself. When we get to heaven, it won't be because of me you got to heaven. It won't be because of you that I got to heaven. It won't be because of my parents that I got to heaven. It won't be because of the preached Word of God that I've heard in the past in my life I got to heaven. I will get to heaven by the blood of Jesus Christ and that alone. And because I accepted it and pled forgiveness through Jesus Christ. That's the only way any of us can get to heaven. So we have to take account of ourselves as individuals. Don't worry about somebody else. Worry about yourself. Worry about where you stand with God. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be overcome with surfeiting, drunkenness, cares of this life, so that the day may come upon you unawares. Don't get distracted, he said. Don't get your eyes off me. Don't be like Peter. When he saw Jesus walking on the water, 
Peter got so excited. He was just jumping up and down in the boat. He said, Lord, if that's you, let me come to you. Jesus said, Peter, come on. Peter, come on. Peter, oh, he didn't know. Oh, he just jumped up out. He jumped off that seat. He climbed over the side of that boat, and he just went striding across the water as hard as he could go. But he forgot one little thing. When the waves started going by and some piece of debris went flying by the side of his head, he began to hear the sound of the waves crashing against the side of the boat. He began to feel the spray of water in his hair. Peter remembered where he was at. Peter realized he was walking on water. And the moment he got his eyes off of Jesus, the moment that the excitement that he was looking at Jesus and who Jesus was, the moment that excitement left Peter, Peter began to seek. Same thing with you and I. Same thing. The moment we quit being excited about Jesus and who He is and what He's doing for us, we begin to sink. We'll, we'll sit back and we'll, we'll oh, well, oh, poor Peter, he got out there and he began to sink. We'll give Peter a hard time. We'll begin to say, Peter didn't have faith. Peter was out of the boat walking on water. The first time I see one of y'all walking on water, after that I'll start listening to you. Until then, I don't want to hear it. You ever walked on water? I've never walked on water. I can't look down at a man who had enough faith of God in God to step out of the boat to walk on water. I've never been in that place, in that predicament. I've never been called on to do that. I've never been asked to exercise that much faith in God. Peter was and Peter did. The minute you and I quit being excited about Jesus, Him being the Son of God, Him dying on Calvary to save us from our sins and us being a child of God, when that quits being exciting to us, we begin to sink just like Peter did. We begin to sink into sorrow and despair. We begin to sink back into sin and bondage. We begin to fall from the place that God has brought us up to and fall back into the miry clay that He cleaned us out of. You go a little further. In the 36th verse, Jesus says, Watch and pray always. Watch ye therefore and pray always. I told you my girls, they were sitting there in front of the TV just just waiting for the weatherman to say no school. Just, just waiting for the weatherman to say no school. And they did. For that whole week there wasn't any school. They were sitting there. They were listening to the radio and watching TV at the same time. They wanted to hear that Cock County schools were closed. Or two hours late or whatever it was. When the weatherman says snow's coming, you better get ready for it. What do we all do? We begin to watch that Thursday night. Who went outside? Who, who looked? Who Thursday night? Who actually looked out the window for snow? I did. He said, there's going to be snow. You better get ready. So I was peeking out the window. And I was probably different from most of you. I'm sitting there. Lord, please don't let it snow. Please, Lord, don't let it snow. I don't like fooling around all day long in snow and put chains on, take chains off and dress for the weather. I don't like to fool with that. So I'm saying, please, Lord, don't let it snow too bad. 
Please, Lord. We'll watch and we'll pray about snow. But do we watch and pray about the second coming of Jesus Christ? Do we set up in the midnight hour praying, even so come Lord Jesus? Lord, I've got lost loved ones that aren't saved. Father, I beg, I plead, some way, somehow, you'll speak to their heart. You'll convince them, you'll convict them, you'll draw them that they'll come and give their heart and life to you. Father, because I can't imagine going to heaven without them. But Father, even so, come Lord Jesus. Do we do that? Do we watch and pray? I mean, really. Do we watch and pray? If we're not watching and praying for the coming of Jesus, then we failed Him. Then we failed what the Word of God... We failed His command right here. Watch! And pray always, he says, that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. Now go back and read the 21st chapter of Luke and you'll see the things that shall come to pass. That Jesus said, if you'll watch and you'll pray, when I come, you'll get to go away with me and you'll miss all these things that the 21st chapter talks about. Go to Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. This is Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica. Paul says, you don't need me to tell you that the time is ripe for Jesus to come back and you don't need me to sit down and tell you an exact date. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. If I know there was a thief coming to my house, Uncle J.D., tonight, there are two things I'd do. I'd get my wife and kids out, and I'd be there waiting. You wouldn't call the police, preacher? It ain't the police's house, it's my house. I would be ready if I knew when the thief was going to come. I'd make preparation. Jesus is coming as a thief in the night. He's not going to tell us when. He doesn't know when. Only the Father above knows when. Jesus is waiting for God to say, Son, go get the church. God said, I won't tell anyone. It'll be like a thief in the night. But verse 2 says, Yourselves... Know perfectly. What do you know? You know something's coming. You know something's coming. Jesus said you'll look back and you'll see a red sky at night. And you'll know that there'll be good weather. He said you'll look up and you'll see a red sky in the morning and you'll know that rain's coming. Red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. We have the same thing now. We'll do that. You'll sit and look, oh yeah, it's going to rain today or it's not going to rain. Jesus said you can tell the signs around you, but you don't know the signs of the Son of Man. And in 2,000 years, we've not learned them. In 2,000 years, we've not begun to look for Him. Why won't Jesus come back? Why won't Jesus come back? Thank God He hadn't come back yet because we're not ready to go. 
Did you ever think about that? Maybe it's God's mercy he hadn't come back yet. Because so many people aren't ready. So many people aren't looking. So many people aren't desiring it. If he come back now, think of the number that would be left. God have mercy. God have mercy. But ye, brethren, verse 4, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You're not in darkness. If you're not in darkness, then you're in what? Then you're in light. In other words, you've been warned. You've been warned. Very few people that grow up in this part of the country, the Bible Belt, will have any excuse whatsoever. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a church in this part of the country. Usually three or four. They're on every corner. It's in our everyday speech. It's in the the idioms that we use. It's in the jargon that we use in our language directly out of the Word of, of God. The apple of my eye. That's out of the Word of God. We will be without excuse. We've been warned and you sitting under the sound of my voice this morning, whether you're here at Reed Town or wherever you're hearing my voice, you have been warned. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. You can do one of two things. You can read a little bit forward in chapter 5 of Thessalonians and you can look at verses 14 through 23 of what you need to be doing, what you ought to be doing. Pray without ceasing, never quenching the spirit, despise not prophesying. Don't have time to go into all those things. I want us to flip back to Hosea. Chapter 10, verse 12. This is what we need to be doing, church. This is what we need to be doing, Christians. This is what we need to be doing, lost individuals. I don't care what your standing with God is. Lost, backslidden, saved, it doesn't matter to me. This is what we all need to be doing. So to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till He come and rain righteousness upon you. Ye have plowed wickedness, and ye have reaped iniquity. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of the mighty men. The world, this country, the church in general, and us as individuals, we have done the 13th verse. We've plowed wickedness. That that a man sows, so shall he also reap. You better believe that as a fact. God said the things that you do in this life will return to you. I don't know about anybody else. That makes me absolutely sick to my stomach with fear. Or it used to. It used to. Until I got on my face before God and pled the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And he said, I'll remove that from you, son. You won't have to worry about that anymore. From this point on, you better be concerned. You plow wickedness, you reap iniquity. Makes sense, doesn't it? If I go out and I plant corn, I'm not going to go out and, and, and get ready to, to stick beans. In the part of my garden that I planted corn, I'm going to reap corn. That's what I'm going to expect to reap. If the bugs don't eat it and the coons don't get it, I'm going to expect corn. If I planted onions, I'm going to expect onions, not potatoes. If you reap iniquity, if you live a life of sin, you'll reap iniquity. You'll get out what you put in. Just like a computer, just like the life of a child. What you put into a kid's mind will come out in that kid's life. Verse 12 says you have to sow to yourself righteousness. Whose? Not ours. Our righteousness is filthy rags. We need to sow the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In other words, we need the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ planted in our hearts. We need the Holy Ghost in our life because we don't have righteousness. It has to come from Him. It has to be planted inside of us. Once that's done, then we can reap mercy. Then we can reap the goodness and love of God. But first you've got to break up your fallow ground. There's probably not too many people in here knows what fallow ground is anymore. Most everybody used to farm. If they didn't have a big farm, they had a personal farm at home, but that's what you ate. That's where your food came from. You grew it and you canned it so you could have something to eat through the winter. Fallow ground, for those of you that don't know, is ground that's not used. It's just sitting there going to waste. Going to waste. Never used for anything. To break it up means to go out and to plow it, to disc it, to get it ready for something to be planted in it. Our fallow ground is our heart that has never known Jesus Christ. Or if it has, we've just let it sit idle. You can plant in it one season and let it lay fallow for four or five seasons and never plant in it again. You can be saved. You can get saved. You can come to know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of your life, and then you can let your uh, ground grow fallow. Never use it. Hosea here tells us that we need to break up our fallow ground because it's time to seek the Lord. It is time, Christian, to seek the Lord. It's time, backslider, to seek the Lord. It's time, lost person, to seek the Lord. Read down, church, it's time to seek the Lord. It doesn't matter where you are in the world right now, it is time to seek the Lord because time as we know it is running out. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. We hope that you've enjoyed our podcast presentation. If you would like more information about the church or any additional podcast, please join us on the web at www.readtowncommunitychurchpodcast.blogspot.com. That's spelled R-E-I-D-T-O-W-N, communitychurchpodcast.blogspot.com. Thank you and God bless.